church. I choose to worship. I choose to bow. Though there's pain in the offering, I lay it down. Here in the conflict, when doubt surrounds, though my soul is unraveling, I choose you now. I will praise you through the fire, through the storm, and through the flood. There is nothing that could ever steal my soul. In the valley, you are worthy, you are good when life is not. You will always and forever be my soul. I build my altar right here and now. In the midst of the darkest night, it won't burn. For you are perfect, no matter what. In the joy of the suffering, I sing it loud. I will praise you through the fire, through the storm, and through the flood. There is nothing that could ever steal my soul. In the you are worthy, you are good when life is not You will always and forever be my soul Good morning and welcome to Brighton Road, welcome to our online service. Wherever you are, uh, you're very welcome to be joining with us here this morning. My name's John Fisher, I'm one of the deacons at Brighton Road and uh, I'll be leading this first part of our service and then I'll be joined by our leader of community evangelism, uh, Michael Hogg, and we'll be talking um, a little bit about our passage from Thessalonians. So let's pray. Lord God, as we come into your presence this morning, we put aside um, the stuff and the worry um, and the stress, particularly of this time, and we come into your presence as a group of people who are part of your family, part of your household, Lord God. We come into your presence with liberty and with joy 
and we bring you praise and worship this morning because you are worthy and we love you. Amen. And now uh, we thank John and Effie for bringing our readings today. So uh, here's our first reading. Romans 8 verses 29 to 39. God knew what he was doing from the very beginning. He decided from the outset to shape the lives of those who love him along the same lines as the life of his son. A son stands first in the line of humanity he restored. We see the original and intended shape of our lives there in him. After God made that decision of what his children should be like, he followed it up by calling people by name. After he called them by name, he set them on a solid basis with himself. And then, after getting them established, he stayed with them to the end, gloriously completing what he had begun. So what do you think? With God on our side like this, how can we lose? If God didn't hesitate to put everything on the line for us, embracing our condition and exposing himself to the worst by sending his own son, is there anything else he wouldn't gladly and freely do for us? And who would dare tangle with God by messing with one of God's chosen? Who would even dare to point a finger? The one who died for us, who was raised to life for us, is in the presence of God at this very moment, sticking up for us. Do you think anyone is going to be able to drive a wedge between us and Christ's love for us? There is no way. Not trouble, not hard times, not hatred, not hunger, not homelessness, not bullying threats, not backstabbing, not even the worst sins listed in scripture. They kill us in cold blood because they hate you. We're sitting ducks. They pick us off one by one. None of this phases us because Jesus loves us. I'm absolutely convinced that nothing, nothing living or dead, angelic or demonic, today or tomorrow, high or low, thinkable or unthinkable, absolutely nothing can get between us and God's love because of the way that Jesus, our master, has embraced us. So let's worship God together with a couple of songs, starting with The Splendour of the King.
we're a people who are called into liberty in Christ Jesus and as our text uh, that we've just had uh, just draws us in to that liberty but when I was praying about this service uh, Michael and I were praying and uh, I felt God say to me uh, Stockholm Syndrome now you may know that Stockholm Syndrome is a, a psychological phenomena where uh, people who are held captive start to fall in love with their captors and um, uh, I don't think anyone is falling in love with their captors but um, perhaps some of us are kind of falling in love with captivity kind of getting comfortable in a place where we're constrained and uh, if that's you the Lord really wants to say to you there is liberty in Christ you know it doesn't really matter where you are if you have freedom in Christ Jesus and uh, we're here this morning in um, in a piece of woodland um, that uh, Claire's dad owns that is just a great place of freedom and quiet um, slightly despite the uh, chainsaws going in the background but it's just a great place where you feel that liberty but that liberty can be felt and can be known on the inside and then you can live in liberty wherever you are if you are uh, in a um, a lonely lockdown where you're not with people um, Jesus can bring that liberty uh, can bring the freedom because really when we feel constrained it's the big stuff that bothers us it's the sin it's the hurt it's the ways of thinking of the past so let's uh, let's walk into that liberty and um, I'm just going to pray and if, if that's you pray this Lord God we thank you that you have created a way for us to walk in freedom Jesus we thank you that on the cross you put to death all those things which constrain us the law the sin the death all of those things which uh, which cause us such difficulty and we accept the ways of thinking that you bring us we put aside the ways of thinking of the past and we accept the liberty that you give us Christ Jesus amen
So now we're moving into our time of communion and uh, communion is like a family meal for the church. Um, so here we are with the family or my family. Um, let's all join together um, and, and break bread together. So wherever you are or and whatever bread and wine you've got, um, let's join together um, and celebrate this uh, remembrance of Jesus as a family. So I'm going to um, first thing we're going to do is um, I'm going to ask uh, Amy to light the candles. This is part of our um, Friday evening um, Shabbat routine. Um, so she's going to do that now. Lord God of the universe, creator of all things, light of the world. Amen. Amen. let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much that you took our sin in your body and it was broken. You sacrificed yourself for us. You shed your blood for us. You covered our sins and we thank you for that. And we remember you here this morning or this evening. Um, remember that amazing sacrifice that you made for us because you love us so much and we love you, Lord. Amen. So while they were eating, Jesus took the bread and when he'd given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he'd given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is the blood of the covenant, which is poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Lord, we pray your blessing on, uh, on this family and on this church family. We pray that you will be with us and we pray that you will cause your face to shine upon us. Amen. Amen.
Okay, reading from 1 Thessalonians, chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. You know, brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not without results. We had previously suffered and been treated outrageously in Philippi, as you know. But with the help of our God, we dare to tell you his gospel in the face of strong opposition. For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives. Nor, from, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please people, but God who tests our heart. You know we never use flattery, nor did we put on a mask to cover our greed. God is our witness. We were not looking for praise from people, not from you, or anyone else, even though as apostles of Christ we could have asserted our authority. Instead, we were like young children among you. Just as the nursing mother cares for her children, so we care for you. Because we love you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our lives as well. Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and hardship. We worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel of God to you. We were witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each other, each one of you, as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting and urging you to live lives worthy of God, who calls you into his kingdom and glory. So as we move into the part of the service where we start to consider, uh, to consider God's word together, um, you'll notice that um, instead of just one preacher, uh, you've, you've, got, uh, you've got Michael and I. Um, and we're going to have a discussion um, and consider what we, what we think about this particular passage that we've been given to speak about. So uh, the passage from 1 Thessalonians 2, um, the bit we've been uh, asked to kind of home in on is, is this little bit. Uh, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. So we're going we're gonna to think, consider what that little bit of text means. Um, and the way we're going to do that is we're going to consider the words in that, in that kind of short phrase. So we're going we're gonna to have a look at what it means to speak, what it means to be approved, what it means to be entrusted, uh, and what the gospel is. And um, it's interesting in the passage, that, uh, that, that Paul is kind of explaining his motives, um, explaining his, uh, that his motivation is pure uh, as he preaches the gospel um, uh, to the Thessalonians. And um, I hope that we're going to do the same. Um, and we're going to also encourage you as you, uh, as you speak in your different situations. 
So the first point we're going to look at is what it means to speak. Now, um, you may know, uh, you may, like me, have a kind of good, solid evangelical sort of background. Um, uh, 1 Peter 3.15 talks about being ready to speak up and anyone who asks you to tell people why you're living the way you are. Um, and that's, that's okay. Um, I'd say that that's quite good. But, um, but what about people who don't ask you? You know, what about, what about um, developing a little bit more from just giving an account when asked um, of what God's done for you? You know, I think we need to be excited um, about, about the gospel. I think we need to be excited about speaking about Jesus. We've got a bit of a, um, a, bit of a thing in our, in our society that um, uh, we, we don't really like people to be too excited about things. No, we don't like people to go on about things. Um, but actually, it's, it's a little bit, um, it's not really quite how it is. What we don't like is people who go on about things and then don't deliver. But when it comes to the gospel, it's okay to be excited about it because the gospel, the good news about Jesus, delivers everything that we're talking about. So um, we're, not, we're not people who are all spin and no delivery, to borrow a phrase, um, from politics. But the good news of Jesus is okay to be excited about. And, you know, it's part of the Great Commission. It, we are commissioned to speak about the hope we have, to speak about Jesus. And to be honest, my, my kind of last part about speaking is you really don't want to be upstaged by a rock, do you? You know, the word of God says the rocks will cry out and praise Jesus. And, and uh, I'd, rather, I'd rather volunteer to be, uh, to be more interesting than a rock, um, to have more to say than a rock and be excited and tell you, tell people, tell whoever will listen um, about the good news of Jesus. So let's speak. Michael. Thanks very much, uh, John. You know, you can be assured, John, that uh, you're not going to be upstaged by a rock. You're, you're, you're doing well. So uh, the second part of what uh, Paul uh, says, we speak as those approved by God. And uh, he writes of himself and those who share about Christ that uh, we speak as those approved. Well, the, the word Paul uses here is one that uh, means when something or someone has been put to the test or examined uh, with the aim for, to see it succeed and that uh, it's been found to be fit, acceptable and genuine for the task. So he's saying that we have passed the test and therefore been approved uh, by God for the task of sharing the good news about Jesus Christ. But how have they gained that approval? Well, in a, in a few ways, I'd suggest. Firstly, uh, results. Uh, you know, brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not without results. Uh, the proof of the pudding is in the eating, that the good news has uh, borne good fruit among the Thessalonians. Secondly, uh, the, the approval is shown by the fact that God has helped them. Uh, with the help of our God, we dared to tell you this gospel. Uh, God showed his approval in the help that he granted. He granted them courage, even in the face of strong opposition. Uh, you see, they previously suffered and been treated outrageously in Philippi, as the Thessalonians could testify. Thirdly, uh, God was their witness to their methods and their motives. In other words, they acted with authenticity and integrity 
rather than out of selfishness and impurity. Now, Paul says a couple of things here. He says uh, what they, uh, that their appeal with the gospel, uh, what it is not from and what it is from. So their appeal with the, the gospel is not from, uh, it doesn't spring from error. It's not done with impure motives. It doesn't employ trickery. It's not about people pleasing. It's not about people praising. It doesn't abuse power or authority. It doesn't use flattery. It does not hide behind hypocrisy. It doesn't hide behind hidden agendas. And it was not about greed. Uh, but Paul then says what it is uh, from, their appeal with the gospel is from. It is God-pleasing. It is with a purity of heart. It's with an innocence. It's out of relationship. And, and Paul actually speaks of uh, the motherly care and, and tenderness and fatherly encouragement, comfort and exhaltation. Uh, it's from love that is, is deep. We loved you so much, he says. And there is a delight in sharing their lives and a, a generosity round the clock, 24-7. And uh, they're, they're, they are holy, uh, they're righteous and they're blameless. So this is how God is there. Uh, is witness to their, their methods and their motives. So they are a people who are approved uh, by God. Uh, but what about what it is to be uh, entrusted, John? <laughs> well, um, to be entrusted with the gospel is something that um, not, not, doesn't just appear in this, in this text, particularly um, Corinthians, Galatians, Timothy talks about it, Titus talks about it, being entrusted with the gospel so it it being like um like like being given something precious um being trusted and uh when i looked at this it really made me think of the parable of the talents you know it's something which should be invested so if the gospel has been received by me um just to sit on it um isn't a great thing and if you look uh, at the parable of the talents you find out what happens to the guy who buries the talent um, so we've been entrusted with something of great value, but of which must be invested because it, it, it's that's that's where the value comes from that it can grow. So um, that's that's really what it means to be entrusted by God. But we look at ourselves and we think, well, why would God trust me with it? Um, I'm pretty useless. Uh, uh, we're all pretty useless, I'm afraid. Um, no, apart from Michael, obviously, um, we're, we were all we all feel that um, that you know why has God trusted us? But He says about us, He says we're His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, transformed, renewed, ready to be used for good works, which God has prepared for us beforehand. So He has not only entrusted us with something which we need to invest in and we need to work at but he has also made us capable of delivering and, and, and of um, working with this investment. He's invested in us and he really loves us. And whatever you may think about yourself, that's not what God says about you. God says you're his workmanship. You're, you're made for great things. So whenever we feel we're not capable of delivering what God has invested in us, what God has has put in us know this that he has made you for this task he has empowered you for this task and with the assistance of that great god we can
be people who are worthy of the trust that's put in us. We have this treasure in jars of clay, it says in Corinthians, and we know we're useless on the outside, but we've got God on the inside. So uh, why would we not uh, invest and be worthy of this amazing thing that God has entrusted us with? So what is the gospel? Let's, let's go for the last bit. Great, John. Thank you. Well, the, the gospel, I mean, uh, the gospel essentially means good news. Um, and actually, it's mentioned throughout uh, the scriptures. It's mentioned six times in this letter to the Thessalonians. Uh, there's four things that I want to kind of share about this good news about Jesus. Um, firstly, it is God's gospel. Uh, it's described as the gospel of God, the gospel of Christ, uh, the gospel that comes with the Holy Spirit. Um, this good news, in other words, originates with God, not with us. It was God's idea, uh, not ours. Uh, God the Father brings it first to us in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit. This is a Trinitarian gospel. It has its very origins in the Trinity of God himself. Secondly, this gospel comes with both words and power. Uh, Paul writes, it's not simply with words, but also with power. So the gospel is not something simply that we say or share or preach or proclaim with words or on uh, on YouTube or on Zoom or something like that, but our words are accompanied with the power of God. You see, words without power are, are lifeless, and power without the truth would lead us astray. The Apostle Paul wrote to the uh, Romans in Romans chapter 1, verse 16 I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God. Uh, which brings salvation to everyone who believes. So we stick to the scriptures, the, the truth about Jesus. And uh, we convey that truth fully, relying upon God for our authority and for their penetrating the heart, bringing deep conviction, as Paul puts it, in a person's life. This good news is authentic and effective to save. The third thing about this gospel is, uh, as John said, it's entrusted uh, to us so as to be shared with delight and with courage with God's help. Uh, we were delighted to share with you the gospel of God. And uh, Paul writes, with the help of our God, we dared to tell you his gospel in the face of strong opposition. Uh, the fourth and last thing, this gospel is to be preached and spread free of cost to the hearers and receivers. You see, Paul and his companions, uh, through toil and hardship, worked night and day in order to not be a burden to anyone while we preach the gospel of God, he says. They wanted to ensure that there was no hindrance to this good news being shed, certainly not money. And he writes of Timothy as our brother and co-worker in God's service in spreading the gospel of Christ. So this good news, as John's already said, is not to be kept to ourselves, but is to be shared, to be spread liberally. 
So we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with this good news, with the gospel. Thank you very much for listening and uh, it's, uh, we, we trust that, that God will bless his word as it is shared. Amen. Amen. As I lead us in prayers of intercession, I recognise that as a local community, as families, and as individuals, we face challenging times. The psalmists remind us that God is our rock, our fortress and our protector. He is also the source of life itself and all good things. We know that he walks with us, giving us his spirit to guide us, help us and comfort us. As I lead our prayers, I'm doing so largely based on Psalm 34. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. O Lord, in times of trouble and difficulty, help us to reflect on all that you are and all that you have given to us. I have sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Lord, let us hold to that assurance. Those who look at him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. We struggle with not being able to meet as a church family but we can vividly recall the faces of our friends who have reflected on us your love and kindness over the years. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. We struggle with feelings of loneliness and isolation. We fear illness and dwindling resources. We rejoice that we live under your blessing. We know that we do not face these things alone. Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. We lift before the children and young people, for students away at universities and colleges. This is a difficult and worrying time for so many of them. Help us to encourage those we know and to help them understand your place for them in this, your world. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Our politicians and leaders face many challenges some self-made, but others beyond their control. Give them wisdom. We're thankful that for the majority of us, the cost of war is an unknown, but for so many, it is their reality. Peace is so important. Help us to do good to our neighbors, to live in peace and to share the good news of Jesus. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their cry. 
our Father, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Amen.
So as we reach the end of today's service, I'd just like to thank those people who've contributed. So um, not just those people who've uh, gone on camera, um, but of course the tech team who have been incredibly faithful and um, have found themselves uh, much busier than perhaps uh, the early commitment uh, in March had uh, had led us to believe it would be necessary. So thank you so much, guys. Um, you're, you're doing such a good job. And... Uh, and we'd also like to bless uh, Tim and Michael and the rest of the team who are uh, continuing to uh, to make Brighton Road function, um, even though we're now mostly uh, not meeting together. So I'm just going to pray a blessing on uh, on what we're doing um, uh, and and where we're going as a church at this time. Lord God, we thank you that you uh, stick with your people in whatever situation. And Lord God, we pray your blessing on the work uh, of Brighton Road. Uh, we pray that you would provide us opportunities for your gospel. You would pray you would provide opportunities for us to love our communities and be part of what's going on. And we pray that you would allow us and remind us at the right time to walk in the liberty and the freedom that you have provided for us. So let's now say the grace together. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen.